Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Philippians. There are two readings. One is in chapter 3 and one is from chapter 4. Philippians 3, 17 to 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and I now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And from Philippians 4, 4 to 9, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. Good morning. Now I'm going to greet you in a couple languages. Buenos dias. Tu habla español? Anyone? Un poquito? All right. Good. Guten uh, Morgen. People speak Deutsch here? All right. In my language, we say mote. Now, you don't say that like Americans. I'm greeting you like... I'm Congolese, and in Congo we are warm. The sun shines like nine hours during the day, and people are like bubbling all the time. So when we say Mbote, you're going to say it like really you've seen marvelous things. Mbote. Mbote. There we go. Now you're doing well. It is good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Wes, Pastor Doug, and the leadership of Yellow Creek Mennonite Church by the uh, intermediary of our brother uh, Anthony to get us here uh, in this lovely, beautiful uh, sanctuary this morning. It gives me a great joy and honor to stand here and fellowship with you with, in the word of God. I take this not lightly. It is a privilege and that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ trust, students 
People who come from places perhaps you have never been and perhaps you don't want to go uh, to come and share the word. As I was driving to this place, I see that your sanctuary is surrounded by lovely neighbors and the neighbors who will never disturb you. And the neighbors who will never come and say you're making too much noise. <laughs> Pretty much they could have put a Pentecostal church here and make all sort of noise, they will still be okay with you. But also neighbors who keep reminding us that that's where we are all going, isn't it? Neighbors who keep reminding us the reality of this life. My late dad will always say, son, you need to be careful because no one in this life will end it alive. So we're all going to end it somewhere there with a stone. And when you hear, well, you're not going to hear it, but when you're in your coffin, get the first. Here I see that I went to one grave site and saw people burying someone. I thought, oh man, I would love to be buried like that. By us, when they're burying someone, they will take spade and get an amount of sand and soil and put there. The moment you just reach your coffin, boof, you know that's done. That means you're going to talk with St. Peter, Paul, and all others in heaven. But heaven is the place where we are all going, isn't it? Heaven is a place where we should be all subscribing already and getting ready, getting excited to go. Because that's one place where my Bible describes that there will be no tears. Paul, uh, writing to the Philippians, is saying to them that now I'm even writing to you with tears. And it tells Paul he's still on earth. Because from the heaven side, there won't be any tears. That's what at least the Bible is telling us, that he will wipe our tears. couple years while I was still in Congo, there was a civil unrest. Um, in that civil unrest, like many other places on earth, in the, on the planet, when there is a civil unrest, wars, the rich countries will give a travel advisory to their citizens. They will say, well, all Americans do not go to El Salvador. All British do not go to such and such place. Why? Because it's becoming dangerous for you. So they take good care of their citizen. And this happens in Congo. There's a lady sitting here in Greencroft who happened to be a missionary in the 60s. And in the 60s, there was a war in my country. And as the war was becoming worse and worse, America and many other Western countries send advice, travel advice, so that their citizens can start getting out. Those in the capital cities, it was easy for them to leave. But Martini Jans was somewhere in Chicapa, really deep in the, in, the, in, in the area, the regions. And so she couldn't get out quick. Now the story I'm telling you, I came to find that story here, which happened in my country, when I went to visit Martini Jans at Greencroft because I knew she could speak my language and I was excited to go see her. She said to me, while 
the bullets were running all over the place, I was still there. And I kept calm. I said, how is that? She said, well, I'm an American. I knew my country will come and pull me out of that place there. And that's what happened. So they couldn't take them to the capital city. They took them via Angola, and from there, they, went, they came back to the U.S. The joy of belonging to a certain country, to great countries. You know, when we go to, 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 uh, to airports, you go and you present Congolese passport, and immigration will start looking at it and turn it and look at you and turn it again and even ask you, how did you get this visa? I say, well, the American, the American embassy is not in my father's house. At least I went somewhere and American citizen gave me a visa. But what I mean is there are certain passports when you hold them, you go to the immigration, you just throw it there. If you're a British citizen, you, you, you know pretty much that you can travel the entire earth without getting a, a visa anywhere. That's the privilege. That's the joy of belonging to a certain citizenship. And as believers, I have come to that point of understanding how much joy can we find in knowing that our citizenship is not an earthly one. Our citizenship is an heavenly one. And that's where we should be pushing forward. Amen. Amen. Because if I know that my father in heaven is in control of everything, if I know that my father in heaven is the master of the wind and the tempest and everything, I shouldn't be worrying about anything. Like those coming from great countries will have their passport ready, knowing that even if the war is killing everybody here somewhere, somehow, my country will send people, intelligentsia, to come and pick me. The joy of heavenly citizenship. I was glad to see that your church has embarked to studying this book of Philippians. One of my favorite books. And I listened to Pastor Wes and Pastor Doug the other day as I was preparing to come and stand here this morning. As they say, Pastor Wes will say that the kingdom of heaven is upside down. It is something we cannot comprehend pretty much from this end. It is something our human mentality, our human intelligence cannot put together sometimes when they say to you that your children are dead, all of them, and then you say, it is well with my soul. That's the kingdom of heaven. When you know that the fridge is empty and you go and say, my Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. That's the kingdom of heaven. It goes beyond the logics of this earth. It goes beyond what you and I can grasp. Paul goes and encourages the church with this word. As he writes to the Colossians, he says, Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, strive, strive for the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Amen. Amen. The citizenship of heaven keeps our eyes toward the things above, not toward what is the next car I'm going to drive, not toward worrying how is my retirement, not toward how, who is going to take care of me when I am 80. Yes, the Lord will take care of you. The Bible says that he will send his angels to protect you so that your foot doesn't hurt the stone. That's the promise. The text we have just read this morning is among those encouragement. Paul takes time from jail, from prison, in Rome perhaps. Scholars may discuss and say maybe Ephesus, uh, maybe elsewhere Caesarea or Rome. Pretty much most of them will say he probably was in jail in Rome. From there in a house arrest of arrest, standing every day with a Roman soldier attached to him. Today, I was just talking to my wife yesterday as we were talking about the, the prisons, how things have changed. With new technology, they're not attaching you to a Roman soldier anymore. They will just take a little bracelet and put you here or on the foot, and that's it. They can check all your movement. But Paul, in this situation, is in a house of arrest. There is realizing, I'm no citizen of earth. In fact, if you know Paul well, he is a Jew. He is also a Roman, born in Tarsus. So in him, he is carrying a couple citizenships. But he gets to a point where he says, no, all these citizenships don't matter. To me, what is most important, the heavenly citizenship. Because that's where I'm going. Perhaps many of these people lying around here have gone. Heavenly citizenship. And when he knows who he is, he takes joy and he writes a whole book where you find four chapters, about 104 verses, 15 times this man is talking about joy. Rejoice. Rejoice with chains. He is there suffering. He is talking rejoice from jail. Throughout his letter, he is showing us that being in Christ is the source of his joy. Because he knew the person he was. That's the source of his joy. Joy is part and parcel of Christian experience. You cannot be a Christian knowing that your place is in heaven and you are a miserable one. You cannot be a Christian knowing that your place is eternity and you are concerned about the things of the earth. I came to realize that in well-off countries, in wealthy countries, people worry the most. Where in places where I grew up, people get up in the morning, they don't have fridges, they don't have electricity. They don't have running waters. And then they'll go sing, I got a joy, 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 joy in my heart. You say, but why are these people singing like this? They understand one thing. That beautiful houses 
will stay. We are surrounded by CEOs of big companies, perhaps, big farmers, millionaires, intellectuals with PhDs are lying down there. And that's where we're going to go. And when we understand that heaven is much better than the PhD I have acquired from Harvard University, although it is good to have that PhD from Harvard University, isn't it? You're going to have a good job. But all that will stay. So from that jail, Paul remember that it is good to trust in the kingdom and have that joy. This morning, the same encouragement is coming to us. Where is your joy? In the first exhortation in chapter 3, Paul is saying, imitate me. He's saying, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Imitate me because I am imitating Christ. And what is Christ imitating? Christ is the heavenly king. We sometimes imitate the wrong leaders. And the world we're living in, a world of competition, a world where your status matters, a world where the material counts the most, a world where we are clinging into our medical insurance much more than we cling to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, no, 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 imitate me. Because I imitate Christ. And when you do that, you find the joy. When you do that, you find peace. Isn't it that we are fighting today because our eyes are set on the things below instead of setting our eyes on things above? Paul says, rejoice. In the Lord, always rejoice. One of my friends back in Cape Town, South Africa, will say, when you hear it once in the Bible, it may, you, you may say, well, but when it comes twice, stop for a second and think about. When it's said three times, definitely you got to obey. Do something about it. Paul is speaking here more than three times. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And when he's saying rejoice, he is not in the place where someone could be rejoicing. You know why is he rejoicing? Because he knows that my place is not down here. I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Paul knows that. That yesterday I was that Pharisee guy who was going to persecute the church, but Christ, by his mercy and grace, caught me on the road to Damascus and brought me to salvation. And because I know that, not even these chains I am in can do anything. Not even the chains can change the situation. Knowing that Paul is writing to them, 
be careful. Be careful of those examples amongst you. The theologians will say it's a warning against antinomians. Those people who are against the law. Those people who goes against what God says. And all their work is just directed to their bellies. They work to fill their fridges. Their work is to compete against one another. Their work is to achieve the most. Be careful against those. Because if you follow those, you're never going to find joy. This joy I find in Christ. Paul, writing to the Philippians, may be also speaking to us today. And he is encouraging us to focus on what is in heaven. Because that's what brings joy. I told you the story of Martini Jans at the beginning. Martini Jans, knowing that she was American, she, was, she couldn't be anxious at the moment was where she was. She knew there is war around me here. I may lose life, but no anxiety. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but have you been to a place where you are anxious? You, you, you feel, okay, how am I going to come out of this situation? From where I'm reading Philippians, Paul perhaps is saying anxiety is not godly. Do not be anxious of anything, any sort of things, whether it's work, whether it's health, whether it's social situation, do not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your problem be known to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, that shalom will fill, will guard your heart. When we are anxious, what we are doing at that time, we are pushing away the peace of God. Anxiety will eliminate, will kind of prohibit the peace of God to happen inside us. In that way, the joy of God won't be there. And for us to be able to overcome anxiety, first thing, we're going to find our citizenship in Christ. Amen. Amen. We're struggling with anxiety, perhaps because our citizenship, or perhaps because the loyalty to our citizenship is not yet focused on things above, on Christ. Paul says, do not be anxious. My question to us this morning is, are we anxious sometimes? Is anxiety part of us? When anxiety comes, it comes with fear. And where fear is, there is no faith. Are you following me? Where fear is, there is no faith. Have you heard the word, someone says, faith doesn't deny reality. Yeah? Brother, we have faith. But we're going to also look at the reality in front of us. Yes, that is an earthly way of seeing things. When we are citizens of heaven, 
the joy we find in heaven is that our realities doesn't prohibit the capacity of God to change the situation we are in. When Jesus is saying that if you believe, you can say that to the mountain to be moved from there and thrown into the sea. That is not just fallacies. That's reality coming from the mouth of Jesus Christ, God himself. But when we don't have, we haven't committed our lives to that citizenship, perhaps we struggle with things like anxiety. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And when you do so, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. He goes and wraps up his letter, and this is toward the end of what he's writing to the church of Philippi. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul is not directing them to think about the things of the earth, to think about material. Think about the things which matters the most. Think about the things which you won't need once you go and sleep forever there. Are we at that point? Perhaps Paul, when he is writing this email or this WhatsApp or this text message, putting it in envelope, sending it to Philippi, he is also in his mind, in his heart. And this is me thinking aloud, trying to imagine Paul in prison. He is saying, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory. When we see him there, nothing else will matter. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to ask, ask a question. Are we following that citizenship which leads us to the things which matters the most? Or are we still clinging to small things of this earth, things such as medical insurance, things such as paying bills, how is my house going to be remodeled, which will stay here, or we got to go to heaven? What citizenship are we part of? There is joy in the kingdom of God, and let us stick to that. Amen.